0: You're all thinking it seemed like a thousand years, aren't <laughs> oh, you? Yeah. Lovely to see you. Well, last time I was here, I, I was rude. I said how some of you have aged. And uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to take that back, but I can't. <laughs> Sorry, no, it is a privilege. Um, Andy and Lisa, we, we, I couldn't be happier that you were pastoring this church. I remember bumping into some of your elders um, while I was walking the dog and saying, don't be in a hurry. Do you remember? Don't be in a hurry. appoint a minister, take your time, because I knew Andy and Lisa would eventually come round to it. And uh, my apology to anybody else who was in the pipeline, but tough luck. You missed it, and um, absolutely thrilled. And Godfrey and Joe, her retired ministers, and Rob and Julie here as well, so um, no doubt they'll be sitting there thinking, oh, I've got a better sermon than that at home. And may I say, yes, and I'd like to buy it. I'll buy it. Save me a bit of work. I'd like you to turn in Act to Acts chapter one. If you're not familiar with your Bible, look for the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and then it's the one next to them. Okay, so start in the middle of your Bible and walk to work to the back. I'd like to speak this morning about the Ascension of our Lord. We spend a, a lot of time talking about His incarnation, which is Christmas. We spend a lot of time looking at His at Easter, His death and His resurrection, and rightly so. Um, and as a Pentecostal church, hopefully, and I'm sure we are, we will spend some time looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes, and this is not a criticism to anybody, if anybody anybody's a criticism itself, maybe we've maybe neglected the subject of our Lord's ascension. So I'd like to just talk to you about that, if I could, this morning, and um, just encourage your hearts with regards to that. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 11. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said these things, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. As they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way as you have seen him go. I need to pray. Father, we thank you this morning that this is your word. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit might breathe upon the speaker and hearers alike. That we might go from here even more amazed at what you've done for us and what you're doing for us. Amen. Amen. As I've said, this is, comes at the culmination of our Lord's, what we would call his earthly ministry. The Lord's ministry is taking place today through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, his intercessory ministry, and we'll hopefully, if time allows, and by the way, I've had plenty of time given me, I'm not, that's not a, a complaint, um, that it's important because it comes to the end of his earthly ministry. There was nothing more he could do on earth nothing more, he had died for our sins, he had risen again, he'd proved himself alive during these 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, and now he was ascending into heaven, and um, very, very important, and of course it ends up with that great truth where it says there, you know, Jesus Christ will return. What I'd like to do this morning is this. I would like, I've turned over too many notes. We'd be going home early if I do that. Um, God forbid that should ever happen with me. <laughs> um, I'd like to look at this subject uh, in two ways. I'd like to look at the ascension for what it, what it meant to Jesus. Now, it's, 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 it's normal for us to think, well, what can God do for us? Uh, what did his ascension mean for us? And we'll get there. But I think before I go there, I'd like to just talk a little bit about what Christ's ascension meant to him. It was very important to him. First of all, he was returning to his father. Now, we forget sometimes that he left his father to come to earth. When he became a baby, he left heaven, came to earth. He's now returning home. Um, And I don't know if Jesus was ever homesick. But I'm quite sure if there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner turning up, I bet they had a party when Jesus returned, <laughs> and he was going back to his Father. All that he'd put aside—that that relationship, that Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together—that that relationship, that eternal love—he had in one sense stepped aside for us, but is returning home. Um, I don't know if Jesus was homesick for heaven. I. I remember when we were pastoring in Brecon, I went to South Africa. I went for a month. I can't believe I did that. Went for a month, and um, the people there were kind. And up till that point, I I I can't remember ever crying. I probably did, but I can't remember ever crying. But um, homesickness made a baby out of me. I'm lying on. Listen to this. I'm lying on the beach in Durban, Indian Ocean. imagine it I was thinner then so you you can't you can't imagine it you know and the plane's going over and I've got tears in my eyes I want to go home you'd pay 2,000 quid to go there already I was there somebody looking after me driving me up but I was homesick and I just want to say this I thank the Lord that he left heaven and I'm glad he's gone back to his father that he's not down here with us now. He is through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he's now returned to his Father. Secondly, he had it was not only a time of returning to the Father, but there was a time of restoring to him everything that he had laid aside to be us. For example, he said there, in Philippians 2 it says, Therefore God hath exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord. All the things that he gave up to come to earth to be with us, becoming, taking on the form of a human being, when he ascended, God restored it to him. He laid it aside. He who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, laid it aside, that he might become one of us. And all that he put aside was restored to him when he backed. So he returned to his father, it was restored in that way. In Revelation, 5.11 it says, with a loud voice they sang, worthy worthy is the Lamb to receive what? Power wealth, wisdom strength, honour, glory and praise, all the things that he didn't have on earth he was despised and rejected he was spat on, he was mistreated, he was lied about he was slandered, all those things no more no more he's with his dad And his dad's given him back everything that he laid aside to be our saviour. What does it mean to Jesus? I think it means almost everything. But not only did he return to his father, not only was it his glory and his thing restored to him, but he then enters a, a, a period of ruling and reigning. When he was on earth, he was, is this not the carpenter's son? You know that phrase? better. In the, I think it's in the AV. I've learned a lot though. Know. Is this not the carpenter's son? Who is this? Who taught you? Where are you from? No, not anymore. We're told now that in Hebrews 1 and 34, after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is ruling and reigning. I'm going to shock you. Putin is not in charge. Jesus is. Or whoever, Trump, name them all, even whoever's in 10 Down the Street at the moment. You know, you liked that one, didn't you? I'm not, that wasn't prophetic. You know, listen, he's it Lord. Having made purification, having provided for us our salvation, a means whereby a sinful Gordon can be forgiven, he sits down and now he rules and he reigns that's what it meant to him he went back to his father he had everything he laid aside restored and he now began to rule and to reign Hebrews 2 7 says this you crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet no more will they drive him out of the town no more will they scourge him, no more it's all finished. He only had to do that the once. And that table that we shared in earlier, or wherever that table was for you, that table reminded us that he has done it all. Never again will he die. Never again will he be scourged. In fact, everything is put under his feet. So for Jesus, it was a returning to the Father. It was a restoring of all he'd given us Son. And it was a time to rule and to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it was important that we acknowledge what it meant to him. But what does it mean to us? What, what does it You say, well, what, go on, what's the Ascension? You know, I mean, the last time I preached on the Ascension here was in 1990, according to my notes. And if you can remember what I said, you're welcome to go home now. <laughs> oh, have we had the offering yet? No, wait till the offering, then you can go. It wasn't these notes, but that subject, 1990. And I'm sure people have spoken about it since. I'm not in that way. But, you know, it's so full of meaning and power for us. What does it mean to us? To understand the ascension, we must understand the, the, the work of the atonement. Within the veil, Jesus was now our high priest, our sacrifice and our mercy Seat all in one. It was not just that he went back to heaven for him. His returning to heaven meant all those things. But it also has meaning for us. Because in the Old Testament, there was that that journey for the high priest from the Day of Atonement, from the Holy of Holies, the place of sacrifice, to coming out. And Jesus is part of that plan. Well, first of all, it's important that Jesus ascended because. He could not, the Holy Spirit could not come until he had gone. John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. In Acts 2, it speaks about it. In in Acts chapter 1, we see the promise again. So he had to ascend for the Holy Spirit to come. You say, well, why could they not both be here? Well, they could be both here. But it was in, Jesus had something to do in heaven, and the Holy Spirit had something to do on earth. Different ministries. Not one superior to the other, not one deficient in any way. Different ministries. Jesus is in heaven interceding for us. And here we find that the Holy Spirit would come. So he had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe that the baptism of the Spirit. We believe that after you get converted, you can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, all sorts of gifts will open up for you there. We believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that when we preach the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. This idea that we only believe that the the Holy Spirit's involved in our church in things. No, no, he's everything we do. The Holy Spirit's involved in. So he had to go because... For the promise of the Father to come, he had to go for us verse four john fourteen three and if I go, I will prepare a place for you, and how many of you have been down the road of bereavement since I was last here, many of you, even the day we 've heard of someone who was in our church years ago uh, gone to be with the Lord. you know it happens, but he went to prepare a place for us, a place where You and I will go to be with him. When we die, the scripture says we are to be present with the Lord. But there's a time coming where we will be gathered together and that will be heaven. He's preparing a place for us. All that he achieved on earth was that he he provided for us forgiveness of sins, that we might go to heaven. Well, he's now in heaven preparing for our arrival. He had to go for the Holy Spirit to come. He had to go to prepare a place for us. But maybe one aspect that's not thought of so much is in Acts eight, Hebrews 8.1, it says, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. Hebrews 7.17, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus' role when he was on earth was to be our savior. And how he fulfilled that perfectly in every way. That's why so many of us are here today, because we have our sins forgiven. But his ministry towards you is continuing now. When it says Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, it wasn't like when I sit down on the satire and go, oh, that's it, I'm not going out again. I'm in for the night, that's it, you know. Uh, you know I, I just That's the side of it, you know. Shoes off, I'm in for the night. It wasn't that. He didn't sit down in heaven and think... Oh, that's great. The cross is finished, the resurrection. I don't have to talk to Peter anymore. (laughs) And that's St. Peter. And, um, well, we're all saints anyway. No, no. His role changed. Just as he sat down to rule and to reign, he's also not fulfilling the role of a king, but he's also fulfilling the role of a priest. And it we was told he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Basically, it meant he's not one of Aaron's descendants. He's unique. He's special. He stands out. He's different from the rest of the priesthood and how he was. He was a, a great, the scripture says, a great high priest. Now, it's only spoken about him, a great high priest. There were high priests all through the history of Israel, but he was a great high priest. So he had to go that the Spirit might come. He has to go to prepare a place for us. But he is actually interceding on our behalf. You say, well, does that mean Jesus is writing all our names out? No, 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 no. This is how I think about it. Jesus intercedes for me. His very presence in heaven with the nail prints and the scars on his feet and the scar on his side is interceding for me. Do you know, Jesus has to say a word his wounds, and I'm quoting a hymn here, which is a sign of old age, his wounds will plead for me. They are there. And so when you go to work tomorrow, you're thinking, there's someone in heaven who's praying for me. There's someone in heaven who's interceding for me. Now it's tough and I'm not minimizing the challenges that you will face. But let me tell you this, don't ever say God's not interested in you. He is. It's just you don't feel it. And that's because you're human like the rest of us. In that way. And so he takes up the role of sending the Father will send the spirit, he had to get out of the way, preparing a place for us, and a priestly office. In Hebrews three, we have a clue as to what Jesus is doing in heaven. First of all, in chapter four of Hebrews, and it says in verse 14, we have a great high priest. I've alluded to that already a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who f- when we must hold firmly to the faith we possess. So the writer to the Hebrews is saying to them is this, you hold firmly to your faith. Now, in a group of this size, there's going to be someone who's wobbling. I don't need a prophetic gift to know that, just the law of averages. There's someone here, and it, you're wobbling with your Christian faith. Let me tell you this, hold firm... Because you've got a great high priest. You have someone who's praying for you now. You say, well, my family, and then, you know, that pastor's horrible. Well, this one is. All the others were perfect. You know, we were brilliant, weren't we? No, we weren't. But we've always got a high priest. There's always someone who's perfect. There's always someone there who's praying for us. And his name is Jesus. And it tells us of this great high priest... First of all, that we, he, is, he is sympathetic with our weaknesses. Jesus is in heaven now, and he is not criticizing you. He's not like the headmaster. In my school, and I know people don't believe this, my headmaster used to walk about with a cane in his hand. Talk about going to work. He'd walk about the cane in his hand, and if you messed about in class, you had to stand outside your classroom, and he'd walk around and he'd say, what's the matter? Have you been sent out of your class Yes. Wallet, wallet. Didn't, no discussion. No court of human rights. <laughs> wallet, wallet. And so the trick was, you got sent out, and when you saw him coming, you went bent out and did your shoelace up, hoping <laughs> that didn't know you'd been sent out. Now I wasn't a Christian then, but I was a lot cleverer. <laughs> and that way, that's true. I once, I think I told. I, there are some teachers here, or ex-teachers here. I must say that really, I I don't trust you. (laughs) I don't trust a teacher. We had a a teacher, and his name was Spooner, strangely enough. His name was Spooner. He wasn't as nice as you. (laughs) And uh, he said to us all, in some propaganda stuff, he said, if any of you boys get punished for something you haven't done, you come to me. And I'll speak to the, the, the master, the foremaster whoever he is, who's done it, and I'll speak in your house. Oh, he thought, oh, what a great guy. I got a cane for something I didn't do. I went to Mr. Spooner. I said, Mr. Spooner, I didn't do that. And I got, he said, well, look, I tell you what, that'll make up for all the times you got away with it. <laughs> So if you're a teacher here, I won't be shaking your hand. (laughs) True story, honestly. But, you know, we have I don't know why I'm telling you that. (laughs) It's just therapy. (laughs) (laughs) The the doctor said, share more. No, no, no he didn't. He said, share less. (laughs) He's sympathetic with our weaknesses. Isn't that lovely? My school reports, I mean, I I can't remember them. Half of them, I mean, I'm sure the words were could do better were somewhere. And we all could do better, couldn't we? Say, yes, Gordon. Yes. I'll start from the beginning again. Yes, Gordon? Yes. We all could do better. But he's sympathetic. He understands. He knows what you're going through. The times... A bereaved person said to me, oh, I can't believe in God anymore. If there was a God, he wouldn't have taken my husband and my wife or something happened. I don't, you know, it's terrible. Oh, dear, I don't believe. I said, nothing I can say. No point, really. I just did my best. A month later, oh, pastor, the things I said, I said, don't worry about it. He said, why? He said, God won't listen to you. You don't listen. We come out with some twaddle, don't we? And we get, heartbroken or we're in pain or tragedy, redundancy, all the things that can hit you. And we have a high priest. Therefore, we hold firmly to our faith. My faith isn't on whether I get promotion. My faith isn't whether I'm well. My faith is based on the fact I've got a Savior who's in heaven who's interceding for us in that way. Then it says in verse 16 of that, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's great approaching the throne of grace with confidence. We're not cowering. Lord, is there any chance I can have a word? It's the opposite. He's saying it's a long time since I spoke to you, Gordon. (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) Oh no, maybe that was you. (laughs) With confidence. Confidence. You might think I've got confidence standing here. I have a job to do, and I'll do the best. But down there, I was nervous. My confidence has to be in God. Now, listen, I can talk. No, it's not a spiritual gift for talking for me. I talked before I was saved. I can talk after I'm saved. <laughs> but the challenge is what I talk about. What I talk about. And it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. I can walk into his presence with all my faults, all my failures, and if I have a repentant heart and I want to seek to correct those things that are wrong in my life, I know I have a welcome. I have a welcome when I don't, but he wants to say something else to me. He might say, go away and sort that out, Gordon. Come back and I'll have a word to you then. But all he ever does is because he cares for us. And what do we do? We approach with confidence. Why? That we might receive something. Oh, a new car, a promotion, you know, whatever. No, no. That we might receive grace and help in times of need. Why is the ascension important? Because the Holy Spirit could come? Yes. Because he's preparing a place for us? Yes. Yes. Because we have a place. We have not a place. We have someone, forgive me, who we can go to, who understands and will give us grace and mercy, it says in that verse. Grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him Come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Wow. Let me repeat that. Therefore, he is able to save completely. Isn't that great? What a great word, completely. Not half a job. He doesn't eat a bit. You know, cuts the grass but doesn't do the edges. <laughs> and that's, that's just so my wife understands I know <laughs> What, how big a sinner I am. He's therefore able to save completely those who come to God through Him. For most of us here, that's us. We've come to God through Him. We broke bread, we've sung about Him, we've worshipped Him. And what does that mean for us? It means that because he, is, he always lives to intercede for them, He's praying for us. We pray for one another, I'm sure at different points pray for folk who are not well pray for, for bereaved pray pray for your leaders your pastors you know pray for them of course but he's praying for us and we receive grace and mercy at time of need almost finished almost finished hebrews 7:26 such a high priest meets our need one who is holy blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted in the heavens. I need you to notice something, please. Such a high priest meets our need. It doesn't say needs. Some of you are going to go over and Google that. You're very well. You can have a look at it now. Check me out. It says need. When Jesus, he met our need, you see, we, our greatest need was that we might have the forgiveness of sin. That was your greatest need, because let me tell you now, without that, you're going to hell. That was our greatest need. And it tells us there, such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy. Because he was holy, he could die for our sins. One who is um, pure. Because he is pure, he could die for our sins. One who is set apart from sinners, he could die for our sins. He is now exalted. One who is blameless. So the one who ascended is all of those things. What is he? Well, he's blameless. He's pure. He's set apart from sinners. He's in heaven. That's why he's set apart on earth. he, he, He couldn't get close enough to them. He loved them. And he is exalted in heaven. And when we leave here and we go into this coming week and something happens, you get one in the belly, you Think, you oh, where did that come from? What's happening now? What's going on? Well, first of all, check out your behavior because sometimes what we sow we reap and we can't get around that one. But remember that you've got someone praying for you. If ever you lose the pastor's phone number, don't panic. God is always praying for you, interceding for you, thinking of you, caring for you. And because he's sinless and he's blameless and he's pure, because he's not like us, he can die for us. Because he's not like us, he can live for us and he can pray for us. Why is the ascension important? It was important to Jesus so he could return to his father. It was important to Jesus that he might have restored to him all the things he laid aside, Revelation 5. And also that he might rule and reign. Never again will he be crucified. Why is it important to us? Because his going meant the Holy Spirit could come. and The church was born and the rest of it's the book of Acts till today. He's got to prepare a place for us. More than that, he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. Years ago, um, and I'm so old, I think of the old preachers, they used to preach about, we have a man in the glory. That was a phrase, a man in the glory. And it was the Lord Jesus. Will you have a friend in heaven? You say, well, my family, no, 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 no. You have a friend in heaven. You have a friend on the throne. You have a friend who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, who's put everything under his feet. You say, oh, my needs are too great, God can't handle them. I'm very sorry, but that is a very unbiblical statement. He's either on the throne or he's not. Now, the problem is that when we get on the throne instead of him, that's when things don't work out. But when he's on the throne, life falls into place. He knows your weaknesses. He knows my weaknesses. He still loves me. He still cares for me. He still prays for me. He'd like me to do better. But he's certainly not walking around with a cane in his hand. I nearly said, seeking whom he may devour, but that's not (laughs) being kind to my headmaster. That makes him the devil. But, you know, that's it. Let's pray together. You've listened ever so well. Thank you. Father, I thank you for the invitation this morning to come and share. Like most preachers, when we sit down, we don't feel we've done the, the the subject justice. But I pray, Lord, that something that has been said this morning will be an encouragement to us. That we'll go home knowing that this matter has been settled. We can enter God's presence with confidence, receive mercy and grace in time of need. We've got it all, Lord. We've got the full package, Lord. We've got the full package. And we thank you for that. And we want to exalt your name. We want to join the heavenly host who sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Glorious is the Lamb. We want to join them because of what you have done for us. Bless this church, I pray, Lord. Bless this church. I won't tell you how to bless them. I'm just going to ask you to bless this church and bless the pastors and bless the leaders and bless everybody. Bless the new members who've come in. Bless those who are absent from us. And if there's anybody in the room today who's grown cold towards you, Lord, I pray that this morning there might be a little, a little coal warming up and they'll know that you invited them to church this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you.